Cuss words are a social construct. Insert woke statement here. Be advised. Hey y'all, I'm Jen. I'm from Oakland and I'm a queer black feminist scholar. This is Darren, hailing from the mean streets of Anaheim. I'm an introvert, a novelist, and a nerd. We're early 30-somethings with three kids and over a decade of marriage. This is a podcast about the realities of blackness and adult life. We do adult differently. This is That Black Couple. Greetings. This is episode 22 of That Black Couple. This is Jen. This is Darren. Sit your ass down. Get you. What you want to drink, baby? Which one's in the drink? Ooh. Well, you know, we just had a brunch and we mm-hmm. had, you know, some beverages. So I think a nice mimosa would, would fit for today. Mimosas? Yeah, you know, cool you out, calm you down. I guess, girl. Open your mind a little bit. I guess, girl. So this is episode 22. So we're talking about millennials and interracial dating today. And we told y'all at the end of last year that we were going to do something different. And this is a time that we actually are doing something different. We are going to have a panel of folks who are experts on interracial dating and millennial dating. Because um, we are not. Because we're not. Because we're not. We're not. We're no. not. We've been together for 20 fucking years. So we don't fucking know. Right? No. We don't know. No. So this is that bad couple. Before we get started, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at that BLK couple on Facebook at that black couple and look us up on the internets at www.thatblackcouple.com. You can stream every single one of our episodes on Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher and SoundCloud. And you have to rate us high because now there's more people invested. So, but can't they get us on Spotify too? Not yet. Oh, well, we got to handle that. Yeah, I'm working on it. Okay, baby. Give me a minute. Okay, boo-boo. I got a lot on my plate. Okay, boo-boo. It's coming. Okay, boo. So, pretty soon on Spotify. Soon. So, let's get started on first things first, right? We have a listener question today. We've never done this before, but we have a fantastic question from Mike Du. Thank you so much for your question um, and for being a loyal listener. It says, I'm a Vietnamese guy and my fiance is African-American. In public, people will look at us as if we are aliens. Some are bold enough to make comments. My fiance feels that if our genders were reversed, we'd be mostly ignored. Do y'all think the gender of our interracial relationship is more troubling to people than just the fact that we're an interracial couple? So this is a tough question that we decided to seek help on. Yes. A, because neither one of us has ever been in an interracial relationship. Yes. That's kind of... Don't it. be pausing. That's kind of it to me. But don't be pausing. No, I've never been in an interracial okay, relationship. we ain't no time for no damn secrets, Darren. No, nothing is going to be revealed, at least from my, my background Thank today. you. But also because, like, this is a real thing, right? This is something that people are actively working through. I know that dating nowadays is some real bullshit. Like, as somebody who is non-monogamous and hates fucking dating, I fucking hate it. Like, it's trash. It's like bullshit. It's it's absolute trash. But we wanted to actually get a diverse set of perspectives on this. So we have five people here to talk to us about it. Right? Mm-hmm. So let's get some names, right? We want last names too? Or just first names? Everybody's shaking their head. They said, hell no. Nah. <laughs> they said, don't be putting my last name out here. You put me on the record. Okay, so we got Paul, Uday, Hillary, Jordy, and Megan. 
So these are all of our friends. Some folks in the group are queer. Some folks in the group are straight. I think everyone in the group is actually cisgender. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so they can reveal what they would like to during the conversation. But I think that, you know, from our perspective, uh, dating is rough period. Right. So dating is hard nowadays as a millennial. Um, and when we first read this question, we thought, you know, uh, interracial relationships are very complex, specifically when you think about interrelationships that involved, involve a black partner, right? When we think about the fact that um, black Americans are typically seen as unlovable, specifically black women are seen as unlovable, um, are typically masculinized in certain ways and their bodies are seen as kind of exploitable or fungible. And so we wanted to think about that specifically in this context, right? Because this is a, a Vietnamese man who's with a black woman. Um, but also like, and I talked to a friend of mine named Bryce who was talking about, uh, if the genders were reversed and how that also would be kind of problematic because we're thinking about the ways that black men's bodies are also seen as kind of highly sexualized, um, and exploitable and how that would also kind of garner some of the same attention, some of the same negativity, right? So it's not like there's any kind of scenario where, uh, the interracial, uh, identities of the two involved would somehow miraculously mean that people wouldn't be gawking at them, right? The gaze is specifically about this kind of outsider nature of the relationship. It's not, uh, it's not aligning with the typical idea of who should be loved and who should be in a relationship. And that's typically two hetero, cisgender, middle-class white people, right? So if you fall outside of that binary, that's pretty much what you're going to get. Yeah. To me, that was the first thing I thought is right. In a lot of ways, our relationship is, is queered in that way, right? right? The most obvious one is you're taller than me. Right. And that has been pointed out to us in plain English like, as if like we don't know we that. We didn't know that. Right. But it's that idea of of deviating from that norm. And then what does that look like? What is that experience like? And like we said, we can only speak to our experience and our relationship and right. what we've had to deal with. But we're fully aware of the fact that in an interracial relationship, there's other dynamics that come into play. Right. And that's why I'm so glad that we have our nice panel here today. Okay, you wanna get started? Let's go ahead and get started. Let go. Thank you for listening. We are the proud founders of watercoolerconvos.com, a platform at the intersections of blackness, culture, and adulting. We started that black couple to dive deeper into the issues facing young black millennial folks navigating the anti-black, anti-queer, white supremacist world today. This podcast is supported by donations and patronage of our listeners and readers of our blog. You should head over there and check out some of the content when you get a chance. If you would like to become a monthly subscriber or patron and help fund our content, Sign up at www.patreon.com forward slash watercooler combos. Patreon is spelled P A T R E O N.com. Please consider giving $5 or $10 per month to help us build our platform and grow our organization. We really want to hire new writers and social media people, y'all, but we can't do that without your help. You can also give a one time donation at www.paypal.me forward slash water cooler combos. All donations are welcome. You can stream the show on Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. When you listen, please consider hitting that heart button, sharing an episode, giving us a five-star rating, and leaving some dope-ass comments. This helps us with our page views and also gives us more listeners for the show. Thank you so much. Let's get back to the show. All right. So 
this is a complex question, right? We're asking specifically about being in an interracial relationship with a Vietnamese guy and a black woman. So Megan, let me know, how does this question in and of itself initially make you feel? I'm a little saddened by it, but I don't, I don't expect anything else in the world. It's, it's kind of par for the course at this point, which is really sad, but I, I feel bad that they have to even ask a question like this in 2019. Cause like, should it matter? I know we all study race and that's important, but I think that love shouldn't be racialized, but I do understand that there are power dynamics there. So I, I wonder what does it mean for him ask to ask the question and then also like how she feels about it or how they feel about it. Because does she feel any kind of like cultural things that she has to understand? Does she feel like there are like there are points in the relationship where she can't go any further because of these interracial things? And I think those are very real. Um, they suck. So I'm, I'm, it makes me sad. I'm actually really sad about it. But I do understand it because I have a very similar thing. All right, Paul, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, since all of us here at the table are people of color, um, when I hear a question like that, I have to pause. And I know just from my white colleagues and friends what their thoughts might be upon hearing a question like this. But um, the thought that always comes to my mind when I hear interracial relationships brought up is what gets said or what's thought by people, those of us of color when we see those relationships and stuff. Mm. I think it's very easy for us to go and, uh-oh, that rejection or those issues that's taken up by white people. We, we don't have those kind of judgments. We're, we're past all this stuff. But if I'm going to be honest, the most problematic statements I've heard about interracial relationships have come from people of color that I've seen or hung around, especially listening to Megan bringing up the how this is sad. Well, I wonder, okay, what, what are we as people of color willing to do to try to push past the situation so we don't have to keep endorsing this sadness or, sorry, sustaining it? But that, that's the reaction or thought I have to it. Interesting. So I want to know more about this specifically because, I mean, we have folks at the table who are in interracial relationships and like the sentiment in the question is, you know, we go outside and people are looking at us and treating us like we're aliens. And as Darren said a minute ago, when he and I go outside, people look at us and treat us like we're aliens too. And we are too, um, I think we're read as cisgender and we're read as heterosexual, but I am taller than him. And so there are questions around uh, masculinity and patriarchy and our gender normativity and how that looks in terms of our relationship. And that's where people typically intervene in how we uh, move throughout the world. So I'm interested for folks at the table, and I want to ask you about this, Jordy, mm-hmm. um, about moving through the world and like the gaze, mm-hmm. uh, people looking at you or people kind of intervening in your ability to kind of navigate the world in your relationship and what that what that feels like. Yeah. So just to immediately sort of respond to the question, we know from research that Asian men and Black women are among the least selected on dating um, apps and websites. So that doesn't immediately sort of surprise me um, that people kind of look at them sort of funny um, when they pair together. So my parents are, my mom is black and my dad is white um, and I have a white partner. So I remember growing up, um, I think I noticed the gays a lot more when I would go out with my interracial family. So, you know, two mixed kids, um, my half brother is black and a white dad and a black mom, you know, going to football games in the South. That's when I would notice the gays mostly going shopping in the South. Now, being in a diverse city like Chicago, I think that the gaze is, or maybe I don't notice it as much, that the gaze is not as bad 
perhaps I'm just kind of too wrapped up in my partner to know. But I, I think sometimes navigating more interpersonal space can be harder. Um, public space is not as bad. But, um, you know, everyone reacts when, you know, you come up with your black partner or your white partner. So I personally try not to be too sensitive about it, to be honest. I think that's really interesting because, to be honest, my thinking is like the gaze is just there. But I find it interesting that you're saying being here versus being in the South, you can kind of feel it in a different way or, or not as much. And so I'm kind of wondering, is that something that's shared with anyone else here? Like, Uday, do you have something you want to say on this one? Yeah, I mean, uh, coming from India, uh, even across ethnicities and across castes, um, but especially across ethnicities, so say uh, in Delhi, um, uh, people from the Northeast are racialized as Chinese, and, and there's definitely a very kind of judgmental look. And of course, for uh, African, African descendant or, or black people in India, uh, there's very much a kind of right to stare at the alien. So I think it's a very, very vivid and very personal experience. Personally, my my own most vivid memory of this was when I was with uh, a white woman in Paris. And she kept pointing out to me how everyone was staring at us. Mm. And again, I think uh, similar to Jody, I think I was just too wrapped up in uh, in our conversation to even to pay attention to what other people were doing. But once she pointed that out, I started seeing it all over. Mm. Uh, and it's kind of walking in central Paris, a brown man with a white woman, and yeah, and uh, and, and kind of all of the white Parisians being like, what's what's going on here? So so yeah, so I think it definitely it definitely varies a lot uh, by context. It's so interesting. So okay, so I'm very intrigued by this, and this is like, you know, like not trying to be a voyeur as someone like who hasn't been in an interest relationship because I'm not opposed to it at all. Like, I fucks with all people. Like, you know, I fucks with that shit. But I think for me, like. Hearing about like the staring is very interesting, specifically around like to Jordy's point about black women and Asian men being the least selected on dating apps. And so uh, in the listener question, having this be the kind of coupling scenario that we're, we're talking about. And the reason why it's interesting to me is because I guess to some degree, it's like you're going to be stared at, right? A lot of us as folks of color in predominantly white areas get stared at. We get stared at for just kind of walking down the street, going to the movies, breathing outside, uh, being, um, we get stared at. And so then, you know, when you're coupled with someone who also is going to be the person who typically is stared at in those scenarios, it's like, how do you navigate that, right? Like, how do you navigate a scenario where both of you are the people who typically have to deal with the gays, who typically are seen as the outsider, who typically are seen as the other. And how do you then deal with navigating the social world around you um, without developing some form of resentment or some form of, I don't know, kind of uh, animosity toward folks that you have to interact with or, or even internalizing that and turning it inward towards your relationship, maybe feeling as though your relationship is not valid or in some way is 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 not substantial enough and that other people haven't approved of it or even if that you know translates to folks in your family i think it's different if it's like people who are staring at you who are strangers on the street like who gives a shit really but then that also sometimes translates to friends and family and folks who are in closer proximity so i'm gonna shut up now because i want to hear what hillary has to say um just about this gaze and kind of thinking about being from uh, different demographic groups where you typically have to uh, deal with being the outsider? So I really like this question because 
I'm thinking about this couple and the dynamics that they have. And I'm black. My partner is Chinese. And so we have a similar like black Blasian, if you will, dynamic that people exotify a lot. And I think maybe because of the fact that we're both women, we don't just get stared at, but people approach us often. Mm. Um, We've had many people feel free to come up to us and say, wow, like you guys are so beautiful. You're such a beautiful couple or like just variations on that theme. We had a guy, we were like taking pictures in a park. We had a guy come up to us and offer to take the pictures for us because he was so fascinated by like seeing the two of us together. So we have that. And then we have like a different cultural thing, which is like when we're in like racialized spaces. So like if we're in like a Chinatown or something, like I might get looked at strangely because I'm not expected to be there. And then when we're in, let's say like with my black family, my black American family, lots of questions about like, what is China like? Or, or what? <laughs> <laughs> or my uncle saying that he had like Japanese friends at some point and my partner having to explain that Japan and China are just not mm-hmm. the same place. Um, so we've had a lot of that and I, I don't know how to say how that works like in the inter- internal part of our relationship, but I think we're just aware at this point that like as soon as we step out the door, people are going to be looking at us. People are going to feel free to talk to us and make comments on whatever they think our relationship is. Gee, this is very interesting because, to be honest, there's a lot of stuff that's coming out that I did not expect to hear. More so because I think you and I can probably relate in a lot of ways to what is being said. So, like, Uday was talking about being in Paris and and so was Jordi and talking about how she didn't notice people staring, but then their partners were like, hey, people are looking at us. Right. I completely identified with that yeah. because, you know, I'm a black man. You know, people look at black men and f- for whatever reason. Right. But the gaze that I got being with you right. initially was a very different experience to me. Yeah. To where you didn't really notice it yeah. at first. Yeah. But I did because yeah. it was a different level. Yeah. And so I'm hearing like, so like when Uday's talking, it's like, well, I'm kind of reading into, into this a little bit. But I'm kind of gathering that for certain people with certain backgrounds, they're used to a certain type of a awareness of people looking at you and kind of having questions in their eyes. Yeah. And so it's almost like that gets dulled out. Mm. But then in, when you're in these interracial relationships, people, like if you're with a white person, for instance, who are not used to that type of attention, mm. it becomes something that they clue into really quickly. Interesting. Let's, okay, so let's open it up because it's been super silent and super weird. So mm-hmm. let's like, like y'all can talk and laugh and shit. Yeah. Um, it's kind of <laughs> awkward. Um, so I like, I think that, okay, so I think that, I think that what you just said is really profound and really important. I want to like, I see a two finger. Okay. I was, so let's just, okay, we got some questions. Okay. So let me, let me, okay. So let me, let me, I'm, I'm going to add to what you just said and then we're going to just let people talk. I, I think what you said is really important because I think to your point about us getting together, the reason why I tuned a lot of the stairs and the gaze out was because I'm six foot four. And I've been six or four since I was 12. Right. Right. And so I got used to the staring. I got used to people yelling at me from across the street or following me around or thinking I was a star asking for my autograph. And so that became the norm for me. That became par for the course. And so when we got together and people would stare, I was like, whatever the fuck. Right. Because it's like. 
that was my daily life. Well, I mean, we made a whole joke out of it. Yeah, like, it was we like, would go outside and say, let's count how let's many count people stare. You know? Or I would turn my back and you would look over my shoulder and say, look, they're staring, they're staring, they're staring, they're staring. Right? And so it, it, it was a thing that we would do because it was fucking funny. Right? But like, I think to your point, when it's people in a relationship who typically are not used to maybe navigating different social spheres or different social spaces where they're not typically seen as the other or not typically outside of the space where other people look like them or act like them or talk like them, it's going to be very foreign. And so that could be more disconcerting. It could draw more attention. It could be something that's harder. So I see the fingers. Let's just open it up. I hadn't noticed the staring, but if, if Mike was here, he would probably say that he notices like when people come up to to him or look at me or or us together or people are like oh you guys are so cute which is not a terrible thing but it's like you're more visible in in a strange way and i i want to admit too that i stare sometimes when i see interracial couples i think there's a curiosity that people have about you know how did these two people from different backgrounds sort of get together and i don't think that it's necessarily wrong i think when you start to kind of evade space and when you start to come up to people and demand their sort of story that's when it starts to get really problematic like hillary was talking about i i think that sometimes um the stairs can be disconcerting because it's a safety issue uh and so i i have to admit when i first moved to chicago I definitely had to figure out what spaces were safe for my partner and I, who's Mexican. And I, I, I have to keep my head on a swivel if I'm like being honest, cause you never know, mm-hmm. even in South Central, you really have to keep your eye on a swivel. Or if you're going to the, like the Southern parts of the city where I don't know if it's because, um, it's the same gender relationship or if it's because it's a, a black and a, a Mexican relationship, but the stairs can sometimes be stressful because you're you don't know it's it's really about like safety and i remember i was at a restaurant in high park where someone was i'm I'm like very loving and touchy feely and i'm i'm a little i'm a little over over the top sometimes um but there the waitress continued to come up to say to us and say you know thank you thank you thank you for being so so like in love and like keep keep the love going and i was like Thanks. You're welcome. Like, <laughs> cool. Like, I, like, you accept my relationship. Like, this isn't, like, why, why did you feel the need to say that? Do you have to say that to other people? Mm. Right. And so it, it was positive there, but I know there are places in, in South Central that I wouldn't go to yeah. because I don't know if it's safe. I don't know if people think that we should be together. And so I would not, I don't want to put either of us in that relationship, in that situation. So. Uh, yeah, and I wanted to add to uh, Jody and Megan's points that uh, I think the experience of being stared at is very gendered, as uh, Darren was saying, that, uh, yeah, that that in India, at least as a man, the whole kind of grammar of public space mm. is structured such that men stare at women, no matter what, no matter their race, no matter their ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, already there, you have a heightened experience of danger on public transport mm. or, in, or in public spaces for women. For me, to kind of learn say, feeling othered in, in Paris or in uh, in the UK or in the US and Chicago. Uh, and, and, and again, Chicago, it's very gendered. I might uh, get looked at, but not in a kind of intimidated mm. or kind of looked up up and down or kind of scoped out, right? The way mm. uh, men look at women. Uh, and I think that very much affects uh, how much I experience this as kind of a burden uh, uh, when I'm in a relationship or when I'm dating someone, because... Uh, because I don't feel that sense of danger as much. 
Okay, so there's other part of the question that I wanted to clue into that I don't think we spend a lot of time on, where he asks if our genders were swapped, people mm. would ignore us, right? Because as we're all talking, it sounds like we're saying like, no, like if you're in an interracial relationship, people are going to like stare at you, mm-hmm. period. But what his question implies is that somehow it being a black man and an Asian woman a Vietnamese woman in particular, that that would change the dynamics of the gays. And that's that's interesting and complex, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's almost it's saying several things. First, it's saying like people would not be very awestruck or uh, impressed or moved by a black man being with a Vietnamese woman first. And conversely, a Vietnamese woman being the black man. And if those two groups of folks ended up coupling together, it'd be like the sky being blue and the wind blowing. Right. And I don't think I agree with that. Right. Is I think to some degree, we're still not fully accounting for the fact that like Vietnamese women, Asian women in, in, in general are exoticized in very particular ways and fetishized in very particular ways, just like black women are fetishized and exoticized, just like most women of color are exoticized and fetishized. And so the stares happen because they're not uh, aligning with a kind of dominant European ideal of what women should look like and how they should comport themselves and how their bodies should look and what attraction should be between a heteronormative kind of gender rolling like normative relationship. And so I understand the premise of that part of the question, but I'm like, nah. I think in particular, my response to that is is about the gender dynamics, the racialized gender dynamics and like black men being seen as these like quote unquote super predators, if that's right. what we want to call them. Right. And then Asian women being seen as like hyper docile mm-hmm. and submissive and like what those two extremes together would do in terms of I could imagine the Vietnamese woman being asked if she was OK, mm-hmm. if she's safe um, and people being wary about like whether she's there by her own choice and that being like a significant part of their relationship that they would have to deal with. I have had an experience and I can't believe this didn't kind of immediately come to mind when I was in Miami um, with my ex who was half white, half Indian and sort of read as maybe Hispanic, maybe white passing when we were walking together And some men kind of came up behind us and one was like loudly sort of like, I should be with her. Yeah. And so, and there was also, I think, an experience we had in New York, a man said to him, like, I'll kill you or something to that effect, right? Or something violent, something threatening. Um, And he was very sort of disturbed by this. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of shocked this didn't come to mind immediately. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, no, seriously, just because, just because I, I mean, it's, it's just being used to men sort of calling out calling out to you in public mm. and being horrible and having to just kind of be like, whatever, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and not thinking anything sort of of it, but that direct sort of threat because you're perhaps with a black woman, you know what I mean? And so I don't know if that's what this guy is experiencing and I don't know really kind of what to say about it. You know what I'm saying? Other than, you know, you just have to fucking brush it off. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Cause they can't do anything to you. They can I mean, they can, they can, you're right. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know why I'm sort of, I don't know. I just feel like if you're going into this territory, you have to be able to deal. And I, I feel that the world should be different, right? <laughs> Does that make sense? Why is, is that it, bad? Why is it a territory? 
Because it's the world we live in. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it, it's just the reality. You so have to not date people. That is not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, but clearly. I know clearly, right? Um, it's not what I'm saying. But I just feel like there are so many like worse problems with racism. And that was pretty bad, huh? Um, <laughs> maybe cut out the second half of this. I just, I mean, I think, though, that was, like, a disturbed person who was just, like, hanging outside. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, but the first one's pretty bad, too, huh? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I just feel I like... I mean, to your point, like, if, even if it was just a disturbed person outside... Yeah. I think it it makes it very real. So yeah. even if you could look at that and say, this is just someone who's touched... And, you right. know, they just clearly need some mental health attention. It does make, I think, especially for, like we were saying, for someone that, that might not have really conceptualized that type of a threat of just being outside before. Right. It becomes very real. Because then you can say, what if that wasn't a disturbed person? What if that right. was just one of these people we Who see on TV with a MAGA yeah. hat on? You know, what yeah. if it was, you know, it could be anything. It, yeah. it makes it very, very real. Maybe I should have been more sensitive at that moment. <laughs> I, I don't but I don't. I don't know. Well, once again, not not a, a person who's been in an interracial relationship. But I don't know if that necessarily means that you should have been more sensitive. And I think we've talked about this before, especially on the podcast, where being black in America is like trial by fire. Right. You're born into this world, right? And you jump in, and you just got to figure the shit out, right? And so I almost kind of feel like hearing about that experience. It's like this is real. We still gotta live, right? So now you gotta, you just gotta figure this shit out and keep moving. Right. If 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 this is not something that works for you, then clearly this relationship's not a, not gonna work for you because I can't change that. Yeah. But it's a it's a very real thing that people have to contend with. Like yeah. it's not, you know, we don't live in a fantasy world. Like you have to really come to grips with right. what it does mean by the people that you choose to be with. Yeah. But it means so much, right? Like. You can cut yourself off from a whole slew of people if you don't do that. If you, But why do you have to feel like there's always some kind of, I don't know, battle to walk out on the street, right? There are so many people that you, you can love that don't fit into the norm of what you would be expected to love because of the, the way that society trains you to, to look at people. So like, why, why, why do we just have to deal with it instead of like changing what people are saying? Or changing what people are thinking or doing. And I say this to someone who, when I was growing up, I remember telling my little brother, like, I really want you to date a black woman, right? Because I know what it means. I Because I know what it means to be overlooked by so many people. And so, and now I have to go back and, like, undo so much damage that I did to this young man. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to try to. <laughs> I know he was waiting. Oh, wait. Paul, too. So I want to make sure that- so this is this is interesting because now we're also getting into the dynamics of black folks dating one another and like I think you bring up a good point, Megan, dating a black woman and encouraging your brother to do so. You know, there's there's a lot of debate about whether or not black folks should date only black folk and marry only black folk and have children with only black folk uh, or start families with only black folk. And yeah, I struggle with that, right? So clearly I did that. And yeah, always intended to. Um, but like I said, I fucks with interracial dating. I don't have a problem with interracial dating. I don't have an issue with it. But I also understand a propensity toward family building and loving black folk, lo- black folk, loving black folks, specifically around the the facts that 
black folk do have to go through this trial by fire, right? The fact that black folk are beat down in very particular ways by the world. And anyone who's ever heard me talk about this will know that I've always said, like, it's really important to me when I see black folk together, it does, it is heartening for me because um, it's just so fucking hard, <laughs> not due to the gays, but also due to the intergenerational trauma and the shit that we just carry around in our bones. And so for me, this is a twofold conversation, right? So we're talking simultaneously about black folk loving black folk and what that looks like and how difficult that can be at times and how important it is for black folk to love on black folk. Now that doesn't have to be romantic, right? That can be platonic as well. There are many ways that we can have loving relationships with other black folk, right? Um, but we're also talking about the dangers, the risks and the complexities of black folk loving other folk outside of um, the black diaspora or who don't you know typically look like they are within the black diaspora and what that looks like and so i think that those conversations are, are similar but they have to kind of be uh separate from one another just because of the kind of ugh, there's just so much shit <laughs> wrapped up um in both and on one hand i think the black folk loving black folk conversation often gets burdened with people's personal opinions and like personal experiences and like uh, biases and whatever the fucks and that's fine there's places for that but i think that when we're talking about um interracial dating we're really talking about gays right we're talking about well we're talking about gays but we are also talking about um and this is something i think y'all should speak to we're also talking about this cultural difference as well which I can't speak to and don't actually understand. We are talking about that, you know, we're talking about in this question that we got a Vietnamese man and an Asian, a black woman. And uh, there's cultural differences there. There are things that uh, this black woman who she, we don't know her, uh, but based on if she's phenotypically read as black, especially if phenotypically read as a dark skinned black woman, there are things that she may encounter um that he will not have any type of understanding or experience with at all whatsoever um there are things that him as a vietnamese man that he may encounter that she will have no understanding at, at all i just and i can say that in total confidence mm -hmm. i can say that in total confidence and so i i'm also thinking about things like that as well and how we can think about that in this conversation which i don't think we've talked about you want to go ahead paul Okay, well, this is stuff I think about a lot, just tying to my research and then also just my background. I've been in predominantly white spaces since I was born. It's just a fact. And I remember growing up young and one of the first conversations I had with my mother was, why can't black people marry white people? Hmm. And I remember feeling ashamed for asking that question because there my mother was, this beautiful black woman. And it wasn't to say that I was rejecting black women, but... There were only three black women in, in my entire grade, mm -hmm. and there were sisters and sort of sorts to me. It wasn't a rejection in this. And I remember later getting older, no one had similar interests to me. I, I didn't know what the hell most of these people were talking to talking about with, with references to contemporary black culture, because I was stuck in the car listening to the four tops and the temptations and stuff <laughs> like this. I get older, I, I have numerous conversations with certain individuals who are hardlined on the opinion that um, they're, they're against interracial relationships. Mm. And I remember asking one of them, okay, I have epilepsy, 
I know two people with epilepsy who are black. One is queer and the other one would never go out with me because I'm not Christian enough. Do I have to go and let down the disability thing, um, considering most of the interpersonal ableism I'm getting in the art mm. is coming from the black community? So all these questions are coming up, and I see in the end is a fear of difference or what have you. Mm. And the cultural differences are something that we already have to wrestle with enough. So then to have that, that gaze that you're talking about put extra cultural burdens or differences to work out seems... It, it, it doesn't seem like a healthy way to go and deal with the trauma you're referring to mm. and stuff like that. Like, like you said, we don't know this couple. We don't know what they're going to have to go through. We don't know what things they might bring in or what beauty, beauty might come out of the relationship itself. Mm. But I think there's something disrespectful, not, not for us at the table, but just in society. Mm. And, and Megan, you seem to allude, allude to this at the beginning, to impose our cultural frustrations, our, our inability to see past difference and stuff like that and impose it on to other groups, especially as they're trying to use, um, maybe I'm just too much of a sentimental, mm. idealistic person, but to use a loving relationship as a space that should be able, in order to overcome that. I fucking agree. Yeah, with regard, like, can I, we snap on that? But what, what was his name? Um, Mike. Mike. The fact that Mike even asked this question to a black couple to help him try to sort, I think that's him going, and, and like you said, George, what was it? You, we got to deal with this rather than going because I know tons of non-black men who would have just, well, their, their response would not have been nearly right. as, as, so I, I got it. This is, this is one thing hardening that I'm, I'm seeing back in this to, to even engage with this. Um, but I guess we need to have more conversations like this, not just within the guards of online spaces, but just in person with one another. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, sorry. Th those are my no. I really fucking agree. Thoughts on that. Later. I really fucking agree, and I want to add that um, one rule that I have, and I've always had, is like, I I talk to people about about their relationships, but I never get into people's relationships. Like, people will be like, "Oh, you've been married, and your relationship seems great," and I'm like, "Yeah, but this is my relationship, mm -hmm. and like, what happens inside my relationship is what happens inside my relationship, and." to Paul's point, I think we don't know what the fuck, like what type of beauty can come from this. And like, if we have two people who are in love with one another, who are committed to one another, who are committed to doing work with one another and building with one another, like that's their fucking business, yo. Like, mm -hmm. and so for us to project and interfere is a problem. Now, if we want to like support people and like, you know, be a part of the process because they ask for us to do that or whatever, like that's one thing. But I do think that we have this propensity toward judgment and, um, it comes from a place of, uh, you know, from the systems that we learn ourselves. It comes from the structures that we learn ourselves. We learn, you know, racism and sexism and, you know, massage noir and ableism. And we learn all these processes that teach us to other people. And then we take them and then we do that shit. To, you know, we just, we just reproduce that shit over and over again. So I see some eyes. Hold on. Let's do Hillary first. I also um, think that it's super important that Mike asked, just asked this question. Mm -hmm. Um as someone who's in an interracial relationship that doesn't include a white person, there aren't really a lot of resources for how to navigate that kind of relationship with someone. Mm. Searching, you know, Google's everybody's friend, but like searching interracial relationship is always going to be like how to be a white person with someone who's <laughs> not white. Um, how not to be problematic in a problematic racist white person in a relationship with someone who's not white. But like, 
if neither of you are white, <laughs> then there has to be some other negotiation that happens, given that the traumas and uh, discrimination and prejudices that you experience, well, that you both experience them, but that yeah. they're different. So on a not so serious note, um, make sure you have silk pillowcases. Bitch. <laughs> 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 I'm serious. Because like, like the little things matter. Wait, for, for her, her hair. hair. For her hair. Girl, yeah. I'm so done. No. I, I want you to go, go with it. I want to hear where this goes. <laughs> no, no, because like those little things really do matter in ways that I don't think, I don't think we take seriously. And they do. So like, it's really important that, cause you, you mentioned the cultural differences, right? Yeah. I didn't know. I always keep a certain kind of shampoo at my house. There are certain things I always have, yeah. but that is not what my partner needs. And it is very important that, that if my partner is at my house, because this is a long distance relationship, is at my house that they feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so there were certain that I got a list the first time that she came to Chicago of the things that were needed. It was like, I need, this could sound real racist. I need tortillas. I need tapatio, not red hot. <laughs> <laughs> and I need you to have this kind of shampoo. It was like, and, and it was like, this is very important to me because... This is this is how I live my life, and if I'm going to be in this space, mm-hmm. I need you to know how to how to love me. Mm-hmm. And those were like the acts of service that were necessary, mm-hmm. right? Or to make sure, for me, it's like I need to make sure that nothing you have has coconut oil in it because that will just destroy my my. I will just die. Damn. Um, and so, like entire regiment, like regiments had to change, and so. And, and for a lot of people, that is a major thing. So I know it's funny, these little things, but if you have cotton pillowcases, I can't come to your house because my hair will break. Or I remember I was dating, I used to date a guy who was like, hated the fact that women curled, like curled their hair at night. And it was a whole thing. And so I would get my hair done and couldn't go over there. And, and it was like, well, I mean, I guess I can't come to your house. But I then... Then I dated another another person that had satin pillowcases. And I was like, yes, thank you. It's like, and then we went to sleep and he was like, do you need to wrap your hair? I was like, yep, uh-huh, thank you. <laughs> and I went in there and wrapped my hair and it, it felt so... Assuring. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I know, I know like we, we laughed, but as like this, this man is dating a black woman and I don't know like what her life is, or, but like there are little things mm. like that that are important to show that that we're here. And granted, I now love tortillas instead of like bagels and English muffins in the morning. So it's like my it's my thing. And tapatio tastes really good. So so, so, oh my God. so I mean so I mean the the little things uh, that were cultural and I would have never known were really important for me. Yeah. So I just wanted to add to uh, Hillary, uh, Megan, and uh, Paul and uh, Jen's points just now that negotiating difference is hard. And uh, I, I think we, need, we also need to be, to be prepared as we are going into interracial relationships, as we are meeting different people. And as we're looking to do justice to the people that we love, I think we need to be prepared that it's going to be hard and it's going to be messy and there's going to be a lot of arguments. And especially as men, say non-black men or uh, Indian men, like they see men, we should be prepared to be called out. Uh, and we should be prepared to be called out a lot for our bullshit. Mm. Uh, because there's a lot of it, mm-hmm. and we should and we and we should be ready to not take it personally, and to not kind of lash out immediately if someone says that you know something we did was fucked up or racist or anti-black. 
uh, or able, right? Uh, these things aren't about us personally, but they're about how we can love each other better. Mm. So going forward, I really appreciate that we've had this conversation. I really appreciate that we've had the, the courage and the patience and the love to, uh, to have this conversation with someone who's reached out to talk about it. Uh, but especially uh, as men, uh, definitely we should um, get over our egos and uh, get used to being wrong and mm-hmm. wrong all the time and learning from that and growing from that. Because I think that's an amazing thing about being in love and meeting new people and learning about how we can love each other better. Like what you hear? You can find my mom and dad, a.k.a. That Black Couple, on the web at thatblackcouple.com. You can find them on Facebook at That Black Couple, and you can find them on Instagram and Twitter at That BLK Couple. If you have questions or comments about the show, email them at thatblkcouple at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, so that was fucking lit. That was amazing. That was fucking amazing. We should do this shit more often. I'm down. Okay, so this is the reflection, and I don't have shit to reflect. You got anything to reflect on? I will say this. Mm-hmm. This has been a very eye-opening experience to me. Yeah. Because, to be honest, you know, we black people, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of times, I have this idea that I think a lot of minorities think we always get oppression, like we understand it, and... We understand it universally. Yeah. And and then kind of bringing the idea of like interracial dating in. Mm. I've always kind of seen it as like we talk about relationships to power a lot. Yeah. And so when I think about interracial relationships, I always think, oh, well, if there's a white person involved, it's like, oh, well, fuck that white person. They just got to figure the shit out. You know? <laughs> if there's any hardship, it's like, you know, too bad. Suck yeah. it up. You yeah. know. And then if there's not a white person involved, I always felt like. You know, there's a culture clash, but I've yeah. always felt like, well, there there is that commonality of yeah. some type of oppression or some type of, of othering. Mutual acknowledged oppression. Exactly. Yeah. And so, like, I've always, like, I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I think this has really given, at least me personally, a lot of different dimension yeah. in understanding how people operate within interracial relationships. Yeah. How people feel within those relationships and what they have to deal with um, looking outside of their Absolutely. relationship. Absolutely. And I think also, like... For people who believe in non-monogamy, like, this is also interesting. You know, we always talk about our bracketed relationships with the brackets on you and the parentheses on me. So, like, I'm actively, like, low-key kind of dating. And so, and we'll have to do an episode on what that looks like because people are like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? It's coming. It's coming. Maybe next episode. It's in the plan. It's in the plan. Um, But I think also, like, as someone who is also now, like, embarking on dating, and considering what it might be like to be dating someone who is not black for the first time in my life, this is also a learning experience for me. Right. And so, you know, I have to unlearn a lot of shit. I think to Megan's point, I had to unlearn things that I was taught growing up. I was taught like, Oh, you speak proper. You'll probably marry a white man. Right. And then I brought you home and they're like, they're like close enough. I mean, shit, you know, <laughs> I was raised, you know, upper middle class, well to do. And then said, go find you a light skin debutante, debutante AKA with long you know, hair and to, what you to brought home on your arm and what you do. I brought Bring home, home a, a radical ass four, six foot four basketball playing tatted. big booty, tatted up, pierced ass <laughs> Oakland bitch. What was you doing? That was not following directions. You had one job, Darren. You had one job, one job, one job. And look what you did. But unfortunately, it's my life. <laughs> Unfortunately, nigga. And so, you know, 
but I, I mean, I think I think that gets to what we're talking bitch, about. Bitch, don't go though. back to unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, no, bitch. No, I mean, unfortunately for them. Fortunately for you. Yeah, fortunately you for welcome. me. Unfortunately for them. Oh. You know, they were the ones impressing that upon me, and oh. unfortunately for them, You're it's welcome. my life. You're welcome to everybody. And I have made my life beautiful. And I have made your life beautiful and amazing and gorgeous and amazing. And you upgraded me like Beyonce said. Let me upgrade you. But but I think it gets to like these, these interracial relationships as well. It's like everyone lives their own life, and they're going to find people that work for them, whether it's within their own race, whether right. it's within you know the same gender or, or right. whatever, whatever right. it is. They're right. going to find what works for them. Right. And as you said, it's like that's someone else's relationship. That's it your has no place for me in it. Absolutely. And I, I I am adamant about folks have to figure out what love looks like for them. It comes in many different forms. Romance comes in many different forms. Platonic relationships come in many different forms. I hope to fuck most of my friends, to be honest, because they're fucking fine. So, like, that's how I tend to do shit. And that's how a lot of people don't tend to do shit. That's their business, right? Exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, like, if people are are looking out into the world and they're seeing reflections of themselves and they don't happen to have the same skin color, or they um, maybe have a disability that's a different disability, or they have different genders or different forms of embodiments. I'm like, fuck that shit. Like, there's just so much beauty in the world, and I just can't imagine being closed off to that shit. Thank y'all for listening. Before you go, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at that BLK couple, on Facebook at that black couple, and look us up on the internets at www.thatblackcouple.com. Bye.